Well, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. This is Ross Jones, your business coach with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bits, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss. We share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Well, hello and welcome to episode 26 of Bold Business Bits. This is Ros Jones and today I'm joined by Heather Booker, the owner of the Serenity Centre in Harrogate. The Serenity Centre is a space for clients seeking therapies and for therapists to practice. Heather Booker also offers training for therapists and is herself a transpersonal and soul coach where she helps people find their soul purpose and let go of issues that are holding them back. Heather is a straight-talking businesswoman and therapist. Hear the story of how she found herself staring at a razor blade and was forced to take action to follow her soul path. She's courageous, honest, 100% authentic and brave. I love this woman the moment I met her. Listen on and enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Hello. We're sitting here today in the Serenity Centre in Harrogate and this is one of your businesses. It is, yeah. And this is a a business that I established just over 10 years ago. It's a therapy centre for people to come and be treated and for therapists to find somewhere where they enjoy working from. And tell me a bit more about how it came to be. I started my therapy business back in the late 1990s and worked from home and from GP surgeries, from gyms, from other clinics. And everywhere that I went, there was... I don't know, it always felt like there was something missing. So I decided that what I really wanted was to create a space which gave what I felt not only clients but also therapists needed to work from so that there was a sense of belonging and community. Because being a therapist, particularly self-employed therapist, can be quite an isolating Mm. place. And especially if you work from a room at home you can have days where the only people you see are your clients or your partner or your children and it felt important to have a space where people could come and work and be part of a community so it took a while and then we found the right place and we came in and renovated it and we've built it up and since we opened 10 and a half years ago, we've had a number of therapists in and out through the doors, but we always retain a core strength of like-minded souls. And what kind of therapies do you offer here? From physiotherapy and acupuncture, uh, homeopathy, nutrition, through to organic beauty, aromatherapy, reflexology. Wow. So quite a wide range now. Yeah, fabulous. And then... How about, because I know that you haven't always been a therapist, so can you share your story about how this came to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I was brought up to think oh, a proper job was a white-collar job. So I went into corporate world straight from school. I left that to go back to uni to train in travel and tourism, and I ended up down in London working in the corporate environment, which was a great job with great prospects, Highly stressful and after five years I found myself in a really bad place. So I found that I was suffering from depression and basically one night was sat in the bath looking at a razor blade thinking this was possibly 
a good option. So that was the point at which something inside of me said, this needs to be looked at, you know, you really desperately need some help. And at that time, you know, back in the 90s, you go to the GP. Mm. And I went to the GP and the solution was Prozac, but it wasn't a solution, it made me ill. So were you, you were still managing to carry on working as if as if everything was okay? Yes and no. I had days where I could carry on working okay and days where I literally couldn't get out from under the quilt. So not a good place to be in when you're in a high-pressure, stressful job. I mean, I had a great manager who was very understanding, but obviously to a point. Yeah. Um, but also for my own self-worth, the it wasn't me. Yeah. You know, this person that couldn't get out from under the quilt, this person that couldn't face the world, that couldn't deal with something that somebody said to her just isn't me. Yeah. So, so I took matters into my own hands and I found an aromatherapist who lived nearby. I found a homeopath who wasn't too far away. And over time, between the two of them and some self-work that I was, I was given to do a lot of self-work, and we got me back on track. So then I just carried on with the same job. (laughs) And then I got systemic candida and adrenal fatigue because I was drinking gallons of coffee just to get through the day and exercising like a maniac to de-stress. And at that point, still seeing my aromatherapist, still seeing my homeopath was when I really decided that uh, something somewhere needed to shift. Yeah. So my gran died and my gran was my... She was my friend. And I think, I think that was my final straw. Okay, that was the catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. So then I thought, right, okay, that's it. So we literally handed our notice in on the the flat and the job and everything, packed up, sold up, came back to Harrogate and retrained as a therapist. Wow. That's a massive move. Mm, And not look back? No, definitely not look back. It was definitely the best thing I could ever do. I firmly believe that everybody has a soul calling. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've always had going for me is that I have a very strong spiritual side and I'm one of those very weird people who tends to see things and experience things. So I've always had a strong understanding that we all have a soul calling and a soul path. And in trying to fit into the boxes that you think you ought to fit into when you're in your early 20s, um, I missed my soul calling and it made me ill. And I find generally that if something big needs to shift in my life, then my body will create an illness that, that physically stops me in my tracks and I have to sit and listen and there is no choice. And then the shifts are made and the systemic candida, the depression, they were all just my soul saying to me, this is not the right place, this is not the right job, This is you are just not going in the direction that you're supposed to be. You agreed to do certain things and you're not doing them. So wake up. And it was a very loud wake up. So that takes a lot of courage and self-awareness, Heather. And is it... So there seem to be so many kind of miserable people just plodding through life. Is that because they haven't recognised the signs that are sent to them? I think it's a really difficult thing to do. I mean, I was in a lucky position where I don't have children. I have a husband who is an absolute rock star. Literally? Yeah. No, no, he's actually an artist. um, But he is my rock. Yeah. And I think if if you're in the position where you have 
a family, it's a whole different ball game because, you know, I could I could turn around to my husband and I could say, I can't do this. I need to shift. This needs to happen. This and and he, thankfully, has always said, right, okay, let's do it then. Whatever you want, let's do it. But I think if you had children, especially young children, uprooting the entire family to follow your calling is a big. Yeah. You know, you you say that takes courage to do what I did, but. Whew, it's going to take a lot more courage to do that. And you're uprooting a whole family and trying to explain it. I don't think it's an easy thing to do. And I think it's, sometimes it's easier to stay with what you know yeah. because it's comfortable, it's easy, it doesn't rock the boat, especially for women, yeah. you know, because women are juggling so many plates. They're the wife, the mother, the sister, the daughter, the friend, as well as a self-employed business owner. Um, and I just think... For you to have to uproot everything to make a big shift, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of support. Yeah. And it's wonderful when you see people do it. It is amazing. But to come back to the question, for me, I think depression's a complicated business, but whenever you look at depression and anxiety, for me, it comes from a soul level. And a lot of it is because you're either not where you need to be doing what you need to do or with the person you should be with or you're not able to do that or sometimes it's just that the noise levels in this world are excessive and for somebody who's really sensitive I can imagine it must be overwhelming mm. yeah so thank you what about in terms of your client base as a therapist is it mostly women that you work with or is it both sexes? What do you, what have you found? Yeah, I work with both sexes, predominantly women, but I certainly have always worked with both sexes and it does tend to be that it, people come in with the aches and pains that they want sorting out physically and then it evolves from there into working on a deeper level. I mean, I, I trained in energy work and Reiki many moons ago and I have looked and have a really great understanding of things like astrology and elements and all sorts of spiritual mystical stuff and I find that when you work with a person you don't just work with the person physically you work with them energetically you work with them spiritually as well as mentally and emotionally and when you're having a treatment with somebody who can connect in with you on that level it's going to bring all sorts of things up to the surface mm. and that means that quite a lot of my clients have found me because they know they need to make a shift and what they need is somebody who's going to help them make that shift and I guess because I've done it many times then we can bring that through so you tend to find that the right person finds the right therapist at the right yeah. time and when it's time to move on again they move on again yeah yeah and do you do you specialise in any particular therapy? I guess my I guess the thing that I've become known for is my massage, and I'm a deep tissue massage oh, worker, and I use aromatherapy. Oh, no. Not with the elbows. No, 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 no. I use trigger point work, but yeah. So I guess that's probably my most popular therapy. But over the last four or five years, I've been doing an awful lot more soul work. So. About three years ago, I went and trained as a soul coach. Okay. It's a transpersonal and spiritual coach, and there aren't many of them around in the UK. But every time I try and call myself a transpersonal and spiritual coach, the word that comes through is always soul coach. Yeah. So I'm just, I go with soul coach, but I'm qualified as a, as a transpersonal and spiritual. And that's about using 
lots of different techniques to help you get to the heart of the matter of what's happening with you so that you can make the shifts that you need to make. And sometimes it might be that you decide that those shifts are going to be too difficult. So you need some help and some support to see how you can do it in a way that's going to work for you, your family, your friends, and where where you're living sometimes even. Yeah. Fantastic. And I guess you get some amazing results. I get some amazing results, yeah. But then I work with some really amazing people. Yeah. You know, I don't think that you could come and see a soul coach unless you were willing to do the work and make the shifts. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. It's no point to it. You have to be prepared to put the work in. But then you're putting the work in so that you... It's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Living the life you want to create. But um, you are putting the work in so that you can build the life that you want. So you can, you know... I'm not standing here living a life that I love because it's just happened. I'm standing here living a life I love because I've worked and I've built it. Thankfully, I've had great support along the way. But I have worked and built it. And if you really, really want something and you really, really want to do it, you can do it. Anybody can. Yeah, yeah. So in business, so obviously I'm a business coach, a business growth coach, so I'm interested in asking you some practical questions really as well, Heather, about what's the number one strategy you've used that will, that's helped you build your business? To be yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't be anybody other than who I am. Yeah. There's no point trying. There's no point wearing masks because you can't maintain them. Yeah. So don't be anything other than you are. Yeah. And don't be afraid. If somebody doesn't like you, that's fine. Yeah. There are plenty of people out there that will. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually, because one of the things that I often find that people that I work with, the thing that has been holding them back is fear of being judged or mm. being laughed at mm. um, or make it or failing and then being judged and laughed at. Yeah, and that's something that they find quite difficult to overcome sometimes. And it's, you know, it can be easy to say... Well, that's their business. It's none of your business. But sometimes that doesn't actually help them. So, yeah, what would you do? What would you recommend in, the, in those circumstances? I've been there. Um, I, I never worked with fear in business. When I started up my business, it was never a question. It was, just, it was, it was a given that I was going to do this and I was going to succeed. There was no failure coming in. And then I had a, <laughs> a calling whereby... I, I've worked with the angelic realm for a long time. I still hesitate to say that, but I have. And This is with Reiki, yeah? No, this is just me. Oh, okay. Even oh, before I did therapy. Oh, okay. oh, wow. um, I mean, I thought, God, this is confession time, isn't it? Putting myself, really putting myself out there now. I physically saw my first angel when I was about five or six years wow. old. Wow. And I've continued to see them since, which is, um, yeah. That's really put that out there now, hasn't it? And when I started doing this work, I was asked to do workshops about angels, which nobody was doing at that time. There was no Doreen Virtue. Oh, she was just starting off in States, but she wasn't over here big. I think Diana Cooper was around, but again, it was all at the start of all. And I remember talking to a few people and saying, I'm going to do workshops on angels. And I remember one distinct reply was... Please don't do that. Nobody will ever take you seriously as a therapist. It's way too far out. It's way too quirky. And you're just going to be laughed at. But I did it. Well done. Mm -hmm. I did it. Um, I've been on TV talking about angels and I continue to run workshops about angels. 
and I continued to work with them. But then a couple of years ago, I worked with um, a wonderful coach and it was about marketing because I knew my business was about to shift. I knew there was a shift coming and heading my way and that's when I trained as the soul coach. And, you know, we talked about business and about how business has changed and about if you're in the coaching field, you need to put yourself out there. Therefore, you need to have a, a much bigger marketing strategy in place. And her first task for me was to take selfies and put them out on social media. And that's where the fear hit me. Yeah. That was my big yeah, thing. Yeah, I've been there. And then she said, do a Facebook Live. And it was like, okay. So I really have to bite the bullet. And I think my advice would be, it's never as bad as it seems. Once you've done it, you always look back and think, why on earth did I make that into such a mountain when actually it wasn't even a molehill? Because no matter what you look like, you know, I know I need to lose a few pounds. I know that I don't look like I used to. But actually... People connect with what they see. People are visual. And if people can see your face and see what you look like and see your eyes, you get that connection working. And then if they hear your voice and what you sound like, you get another connection on a different level. And by being afraid to show who I was, I was quite happy to show who I am one-to-one in person or even in a group situation. But to do it on social media or in a Facebook Live or a video was just, oof, that's way too, you know, that's yeah. too scary. But if you take deep breaths and if you take it slow and start off small and take each step forward, so, you know, you take a few selfies and you put them out there to a select group of friends and then you take a few more and you put it on your Facebook page and you take a few more and you think, actually, I can do a Facebook Live now because I'll choose my audience and just take it small and just build it up. You know, I've gone from saying, oh, can't do a selfie to having a photography shoot last year, to doing Facebook Lives, even if I'm sat in an office that looks like a bomb's just hit it, um, because that's not the point. The point is the information you're giving out. Absolutely. And there is this thing where, do you know that poem, Who Am I To Be Brilliant, Marianne Williamson? Yes. That, you know, yeah. it's, we hide, don't we? Yes. Sometimes we're too afraid to shine our light. and But the, the problem is there that people don't hear about us or know about us, and so they can't... They can't Have find you. Exactly, no. Yeah. no. I've had, you know, I, I, I started a third business last year, which is training therapists and um, being a support community for therapists because for me it's vitally important that we support each other and work together. So with a colleague of mine and a good friend, we started our third business, Aroma Bees, and we support and provide a community for therapists. And I've had so many conversations over the last, probably about the last eight months with therapists who in their words you know I've done my training people should now be able to find me but but how there's so much noise out there how are they ever going to find you if you're not actively promoting yourself so you you have to do the social media thing you have to do the blogging you have to do the website you have to do some kind of marketing because otherwise you've trained in these wonderful therapies and you're there with your your special gift to offer people and your area of expertise that you want to work in and everybody has something to give Mm -hmm. to other people and people don't know you exist so how how are the people that need you that need to find you to work with you how are they ever going to find you yeah so you have to kind of get over that fear 
as you say, get over yourself. Yeah, get out of your own way. Yeah. Get on with it. Get out of your own way. Sound advice indeed. So thank you so much, Heather. Actually, there is one more thing. So we've talked there about giving advice, but if there was somebody just now, maybe it's the same advice you'd give. If there's a, a business now, I'm sitting before you now, and if I say I'm thinking about starting my therapy business, Heather, what one piece of advice would you give me? Do it. Do it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been lovely to speak with you. Thank you. you. Thanks. In our conversation, Heather spoke about the therapists that practice from her Serenity Centre in Harrogate, how they are full of passion for what they do. They're highly skilled and trained in the therapies they offer, but somehow nobody knows they're there. I find this is a really common challenge for business owners, especially when they're first setting out, when they're just by themselves. They're brilliant technicians. They're fantastic at what they do, but nobody knows they're there. And so all their talent is wasted. And then I ask them, what three things come to your mind when I say the word salesperson? And (laughs) shock horror, typically the responses are things like, Snake oil, sleazy, brown shoes, slimy, dishonest, pushy, and on and on and on. And it's so interesting, isn't it, when people have these associations with salespeople that actually they are unable to sell their product because they're afraid of being associated with their own definition of what a salesperson is. So it's really unfortunate that the word sales and salesperson has this connotation with those people from the past who used to doorstop you, jam their foot in your door and try and sell you copies of the Encyclopedia Britannica, or of people selling cars who try and pounce on you and sell you the most inappropriate car and and whatever, and on and on and on. So we have this belief ingrained in us, it seems, that selling is somehow dishonest and wrong and unethical and slimy and all those other words. But we're in business and if you can't sell your product or service, then you haven't got a business. That's the end of it. So how to get around this idea of associating sales with something that's bad? If you really, really, really passionately believe in your product or service, then my belief is that it's your duty to make sure that your target market buy your product or service. It's as simple as that. It's like, this is how I explain it. If a doctor is walking on the beach on holiday and they look down and they find somebody sunbathing there and they've clearly got a melanoma on their back, they're not going to just walk on by and ignore it. They'll stop the guy, even though they're on holiday, they're going to stop the guy and say, excuse me, I think you need to get that checked out. And so it is for us in business. If we really passionately believe about what we do, it's our duty to make sure that our target market knows we exist. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be able to sleep at night because your target market has gone off to the competitor who has a product or service that is not as good as yours. So it's your duty. Remember that. It's your duty to let people know that you exist. So forget about your ego and the fact that you're scared that people might think that you're daft or they might laugh at you or they might not watch your Facebook video or whatever. 
just get over yourself as we talk about in our conversation and just make sure that the people who need to buy your product or service get to know that you exist because until they do then they're going somewhere else and they probably won't get as good a service or product as they would if they bought from you so remember this it's your duty to make sure people know that you're around and if they don't you shouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that they don't know about you, that they're going off to some substandard product or service. So I hope that helps. If you need any help or advice on sales training, marketing, anything to do with growing your business, then just please do get in touch. Thanks for listening to my show today and please subscribe to my show and I look forward to hearing from you again. Bye for now. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bits podcast show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with bold business bits. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening.